If you were expecting uh, Pastor Stephen, he was out in California. Is he here? Is Stephen here? He wasn't feeling good this morning, I know that. <laughs> so he stayed. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Keep the rest, keep it with him, right? <laughs> but, yeah, he did come out and pray with us this morning at 6, and um, he wasn't feeling that well. So pray for Pastor Stephen. But I think he had a good week out in California at the Shepherds Conference with our missionary Marcy who is still out there. Marcy will be here Wednesday evening. So I encourage you to come out Wednesday evening. I encourage you to come out Wednesday evening whether Marcy's here or not. Can everybody is can everybody raise their hand? Yeah. I mean, are you able to do that? Because, you know, when we sing that song, Raise Your Hands, I always wonder, you know, I have one hand up. I always wonder why nobody's raising their hands. Maybe we're not able. Were you ever taught you're not supposed to raise your hand in church? Anybody taught that? I was kind of brought up in that tradition, you know. <laughs> but then we sing a song, raise your hands. It's kind of like, uh, we all sit there, whoa, <laughs> like our hands are tied. <laughs> anyway, I won't ask you to raise your hand. If Well, I will. How many of you think prayer is really important? Raise your hand. Oh, look at all these things. Wow. How many of you really think the church needs to gather together to pray? Raise your hand. Is it important? Uh, some of you are a little bit because you know this is a trick question. So you're, you know, you, I always, I, I never liked it when people asked me to raise my hand in church because it's like, what's the next question, right? Well, with all those hands in the air thinking it's really important to gather together to pray, I expect to see all of you here Wednesday night. I know, you have jobs and things like that. That's understandable. But if you don't, uh, Marcy will be sharing with us, and we need to pray for Marcy, and we need to pray for those, um, Marcy and Hosu, or missionaries over in uh, Hungary. And then you remember Barnabas and Napshi and the children that were here with us. Barnabas is actually right now acting as um, an emissary for us at MAN to distribute some funds to Ukrainian churches. Um, he's going to be doing that as he's waiting to pastor. So you can be praying. Come out Wednesday night and pray with us. It's good. You'll hear from Marcy and we'll gather together to pray. Open your Bibles um, to Colossians and Romans 6. Colossians and Romans 6. A couple weeks ago, I was here uh, in Stephen's absence, and I spoke on our union with Christ and how when Christ died, the believer died with him, and was, when Christ was raised from the dead, the believer was raised from the dead with Christ, resulting in our death to the slavery to sin and our being uh, made alive in the power of the Holy Spirit to, to a life for God. Romans 6, 5 through 7. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his, for we know that our old self was, past tense, crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. The one who has died has been set free from sin. Set free from that slavery to sin. Now go over to Colossians 3 with me, because that's where we're going to be this morning. Colossians 3. So we see this union with Christ, such an important doctrine in Scripture. If you are a believer this morning, you are united with Christ. United with Christ. If you're not a believer, I encourage you to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
in his death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sin, then you can be united with Christ. Colossians 3, 1 through 10. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Isn't it an amazing statement? Our union with Christ. Christ appears, we will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore. See those words? Are you a Bible circler on certain words? Those are good words to circle. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Weren't we just singing, thank you, Jesus? (laughs) He has taken the wrath of God for our sins. And yet we read, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you, too, once walked, when you were living in them, but now you must put away, put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Amazing section of scripture, isn't it? We're told to kill sin. (laughs) We're told to do. Kill sin or it'll kill you. Back in Colossians chapter 1, you can look at that, 13 and 14. And we see what he has done. Once again, wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It is finished. Amen. Amen. If you're a believer this morning in the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Past, present, and future, your sins are forgiven. That's the good news of the gospel. And then look at verses 21 and 22. In you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy, blameless, above reproach before him. So we were alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, being hated and hating one another, and because of what Christ has done in our union with Christ, we are holy, blameless, and above reproach, justified by his grace and heirs of eternal life. Is that good news? If you're sleeping right now, you probably have, just don't believe it. You don't believe that good news. I mean, how can that not be good news? <laughs> it's our life. Our life in Christ. It's done. Yet... Later in Colossians, right, in this same letter, with all of this true about what Christ has done for us, we read these words in Colossians 3.5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death something we must do. 
put to death. After Paul writes Romans 6 about our union with Christ and how we have died to the slavery of sin and been raised to the newness of life in God, we see Paul's ongoing struggle with sin in Romans 7. Are you glad that Paul struggled with sin in Romans 7? In one way, kind of, right? You're never glad when someone struggles with sin. But you, it, it kind of helps me think that the Apostle Paul, after salvation, after writing all of these wonderful things and, and how we are in Christ and we have a union with Christ and, and we have his justification, we have his righteousness and everything else, that there still is this struggle with sin. Though the believer has died to sin slavery, sin did not die in us. Sin is still very present. However, we're told in Romans 8.13 these words as to what we are to do. We are to kill it. Romans 8.13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And then here in Colossians 3.5, we see put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Christopher Love writes in the book, The Mortified Christian. He says, a truly mortified man is like a warrior. He will either kill or be killed. He will kill sins or else his sin will kill him. Now examine yourselves in this. Are you only fencers? You know what a fencer is, right? Are you only fencers to sport and play with your lusts? Or are you warriors who fight with an implacable opposition against sin? Do you only give a slight scare to sin? Or have you given it a deadly wound? There's no room for pacifism here. For the pacifists. No room for that. When I went into the military and I knew I was going to Vietnam, I was taught combat training. They didn't, tell you, they didn't teach you to shoot to wound. <laughs> you know, they didn't, you didn't have bullseye targets, you know, for your marksman training. You had human targets. And we were taught, shoot to kill or you will be killed. Very simple. Now, you may disagree with that. I don't care about your theology and whether you think we should go to war or whatever. You're sitting here because many people have, by the way. Just want to make that comment as a veteran. But when it comes to sin, (laughs) you better. You better shoot to kill. Because if you don't, it will kill you. Just as we read here, Christopher loves words. But just... How do we do this, the killing of sin? Well, the first thing I want you to know is we can't. That is, we can't do it ourselves. You can fight, but you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. Because in Romans 8.13, what do we read those great words? If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body... You will live. Look back in Colossians 1, 27 through 29. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, 
which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here we are. Union with Christ. Okay? Keep reading. If we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ, to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I struggle with his energy. I can't do it. I think many times Christians fail because they try to do things in the flesh. Try to come up with little programs, listen to uh, practical self-help books and things like that. What we see here is, don't miss, I labor, but with all his energy, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Can I do all things through Christ who strengthens me? We looked at that when we looked at Romans 6, right? Not all things, but all things God commands you to do. God commands the believer to do nothing. He doesn't enable the believer to do. He commands you to do nothing that he does not enable you to do. So if you don't do it, that's your bad. So before we look at verses 5 and 6 here, we're told what to put to death. Go back to Romans 6 with me again. And we'll look at verses 11 through 16 because I think it's very helpful. 11 through 14. Romans 6.11. So you also must consider or count or reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You'll never be able to kill sin in your body if your mindset is that you are still a slave to sin. We'll read a passage over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 11. It's Those great words, I love them, because those great words are, such were some of you. Such were, not such are. (laughs) Such were some of you, and some of you can say amen to that when you look at your life. Not only no longer a slave to sin, but we must believe that we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. So when Paul writes the next verse, Romans 6.12, Let not sin therefore reign. The therefore is referring back to you are dead to sin, slavery, and alive to God through a union with Christ through faith. With this correct mindset, and it has to be a mindset, consider, reckon this mindset. With that correct mindset, we have the command of Romans 12, 6, 12. Let not sin reign therefore in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. And in verse 13, we have the key in killing sin in our body. And it says, do not present or do not offer the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But So you stop doing something that's never good enough, is it? Nature abhors a vacuum. Something will come into it. Right? So we see but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Stop and start. If you stop only, some greater sin is going to come in. Stop. So we see that stopping and that starting. So we must first appropriate the mindset of faith, counting ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. That's faith. That's going back and looking what Christ has done for us and Appropriating that as truth, as yours. That's mine. I appropriate that. 
So we do that first. Next, we're told to not let sin reign in our body by not offering the members of our body as instruments of unrighteousness and by offering ourselves to God as instruments of righteousness. And this is done through the power of Christ in you. There is not a Christian alive that cannot do that. The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, lives in every single true believer and empowers us. And as we yield to that power, we can do all things that Christ commands us to do. Do you believe that? I'm glad a few of you do. That's good. So armed with Romans 6.11 mindset, refusing to offer ourselves to sin, go back to Colossians 3.5, where we see the command to kill sin. These, by the way, these are decisions we make every day and many times, many times a day. It isn't like I make one decision and, you know, I'm going to, okay, I've decided um, to put to death this sin in my, in my body and offer myself as an instrument of righteousness this morning. I'm done. Now, let's get on with it. No, you may have to do that a hundred times during the day, depending on what is being thrown at you. And our brother read <laughs> Ephesians 6. You, you better put on the armor of God today. Because there are a lot of fiery darts coming at you from all over the place. Colossians 3, 4 through 6. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore. You have died. Life is hidden with Christ. You will appear with him in glory. Therefore, do something. You see? See, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Should we be doing things that bring the wrath of God? We have been delivered from his wrath. How can we live in it any longer? So put to death, therefore, if Christ is truly our life, then the things that bring the wrath of God, the very acts that Jesus went to the cross for, should have no part in our life. Amen? Going to make it through the day with that statement? The things that Christ went to the cross for that bring the wrath of God should have no part in the believer's life. Amen? You believe that? Make it through the day in the power of the Spirit of Christ. You won't make it through the day any other way. Because we now possess the righteousness of Christ, we need to live that righteous life. And we do this by, by killing sin by the power of the Spirit of Christ in us and living a life worthy of our calling. Romans 8.13, right? Back there. If you don't have to go there, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You will live that. You will live that abundant life, that life of Christ. Here in Colossians 3.5, the first sin Paul tells us put to death is sexual immorality. Sexual immorality comes from the original word pornea, meaning illicit sexual acts, graphic, pornea, graphic, uh, illegal sexual acts, gives us the word pornography, pornography. Okay? 
one of the greatest and most destructive evils of our day. Destroying young people's lives. Giving people, giving young men a totally distorted view of something so wonderful that God created. I mean, it's horrible. Put it away. Kill it. Kill it. It's what we're told to kill. A believer cannot have his mind on things above as he's viewing porn. There's a sin right there. You can't have your mind on things above. And I would, go, I would say as much as if you have your mind on things above, above you will not be viewing porn. Where our mind is, that's where, where it leads us, right? We need a mindset. I'm dead to that. I've been raised to the newness of Christ. I go a step further. Just, just say, when we live this life, when we are consumed with Christ, when we have that mindset that I am united with Christ, then just as 1 Corinthians 6 says, if we go and do those things, we drag Christ with us into them. I want you to think about that. You drag Christ right with you. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.3, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of purity of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Next, Paul tells us to put to death passion and evil desires. This isn't all passion. As we, as we know, there are great passions. We, we should have a great passion for doing uh, the things of the Lord, right and holy. The word used here is about those first inclinations of sin which are stirred up by our own lusts. Sin still resides in us. It's not gone. Praise God when Christ comes and we are redeemed physically, it's gone. Amen? We'll never struggle with sin again. Is that good news? Never again. You won't be tempted. And if you were, it would be impossible for you to give into the temptation. You are not going to be tempted. You will not give into that temptation. It will be impossible for you to sin for eternity. That's heaven. Not sitting on a cloud strumming a harp. That's a picture that maybe makes me not want to go to heaven. Not that harps are bad. Harp players, I love you. Okay? Actually, I like good harp music, but I don't want to strum one. Okay. So we see these. Look at James. Just flip over to James with me. James one. You guys know where that is in your Bible, right? James one. Once again, this goes right along with Romans 6, 11, 12, you know, where it says, do not offer. <laughs> you know, so many times we think, the devil made me do it. <laughs> the devil tempts us. 
He knows there's still residing sin in the, in the believer. So he puts those temptations in front of us, but he doesn't make us sin. Well, we do that. We are quite capable of doing that. James 1, 13 through 15. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each one is tempted when the devil comes. Yeah. Each one is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own, what? His own desire. Interesting. His own desire. I want to be liked. <laughs> that, that pride that is in all of us. I want people to think well of me. Yeah, I know what you're, you're thinking. That's, where did that sin come from? It's in all of us, right? Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. If only the believer had a passion for godly things as much as he has a passion for those things. I think many things would change. Evil desires. Evil desires are those intense desires that come from within, which is wrongful and sinful. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Paul tells the Colossians to put them to death. Last sin to put to death is covetousness, which is idolatry. Anything that places selfish desire before God is idolatry. Anything. Good things. Worship your children, idolatry. Anything you put before the Lord. Children are a gift from the Lord. Love them, care for them, nurture them. Babies. (laughs) You worship them, it's idolatry. Idolatry says to God, there's something else better than you. And better than what you have given me. And I want that. And that will receive my affections and my worship. And that will be the object of my heart. That's what you're saying to God. Amazing. No wonder in verse 6 Paul writes, On account of these the wrath of God is coming. On account of these... Putting things before God, worshiping things before God. Time, money, go through the list. Looks, likes. How many likes? I don't know. Do you still get likes? I'm not even going to mention that. You guys still remember. You still hold that against me when I called Facebook face page. Because <laughs> I've never been on it, so I would have no, no, no knowledge of it. But I think you still get likes. Do you still get likes, Carol? Good. I know. Carol does a lot of computer work for me, so I figured she'd know. What will you do to get a like? Just godly things? You think if you do something really godly, you think if you put a godly act on there and preach the gospel, you get a lot of likes? Test it. See what kind of friends you have. Go ahead, put on there. I am united with Christ. See how many likes you get. Try it. I don't know. I'm not going to. I'm not, like I said, I'm not on Facebook. I don't know. So for believers, God's wrath has been satisfied by the death of Christ. Amen? 
So we should want nothing to do with what brings the wrath of God. Amen? Good. Nothing to do with what put Christ on the cross. And what we need to do then is to put them to death. This was our old life that we did these things. When we do these things, we're living like who we were and not who we are. Don't live like who you were. (laughs) I told you when I went through Romans 6 with you, you would not want Ed to be who he was. I know my wife wouldn't. Don't live like who you were. Look at verses 7 through 10 in Colossians 3. In these you once walked, past tense, in these you once walked. Right? He doesn't say, in these you are walking, therefore you ought to do something. But he says, in these things you once walked. There's an assumption here. When you were living in them. So what are you living like? Are you living like who you were or who you are? Good question. But now, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator. And that is imaging forth what we're, that's doing what we were put here to do. Image forth our creator. So, you're not who you were. If you're a believer here this morning, you're not who you were. Right? You were... You were dead in your transgressions and sins, and God made you alive in Christ. Therefore, stop living like who you were and start living like who you are, a child of God, a child of God. We're all going to leave here today and live like who we are. Everyone that's going to leave here today and live like who you are, raise your hand. I'm glad there's a few of you that will. Another trick question. I know. I know. Should I raise it? What's, what's the next question? No, you're, what are you going to make me do? Right? Every one of us should say, I am, by the power of God, going to leave here and live like who I am, not who I was. Is that okay? Even with you guys who didn't raise your hand? Going to live like who I am, not who I was doesn't bring glory to God. So, this is the key to having victory over all these sins. We have died to them, no longer enslaved, no more like power over us. We live to Christ, Christ in us, the hope of glory. However, it's not just putting to death sinful things that you did. That will leave a void, which will quickly be filled up with other sins. And we don't want that, because sin is still there. But what it is, is living your new life by the power of Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's putting on the life of Christ. Look at verses 12 through 14. Put on. (laughs) As... Second Peter chapter one verse or yeah, Second Peter chapter one verse five says, 
Make every effort to supplement your faith with these virtues. Make every effort, not make some effort. Okay, maybe I'll make an effort on Sunday. No. Make every effort to supplement your faith with these virtues. If you don't do this in increasing measure, you will be ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, he goes on to tell you, and you will forget that your sins have been forgiven. In other words, you'll start to doubt your salvation. No effort, that's where you go. That's where you end up. Read it. 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11. Good section of Christ. Good section of the Bible. Put on, then, as God's chosen holy ones and beloved. (laughs) Put on, then, as God's chosen holy ones and beloved. Loved of the Lord. Isn't that great? He doesn't just say, go do it. He says, you're loved. (laughs) You're loved. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Above all. Those are some words that Peter uses in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, love one another deeply, fervently. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. The Christian life is not just a life of killing sin, though this is a lifelong battle. I know I don't look it, but I'm going to be 75 this year. <laughs> Some of you are shaking your head. Yes, you do look it. <laughs> I've been fighting sin for a long time. You get to be my age, and you get tired of fighting sin. But, but you know what? The problem is, as an older man, you know, you're tired. You're tired. <laughs> you don't have as much energy as you used to have. It's pretty easy to start giving in. I, I pray to God I finish well. I want my wife to finish well. I don't want to die a dirty old man. There are books on that. The only way is at 74 and some months, I gotta fight. I gotta fight sin. I gotta kill sin, or it's gonna kill me. I gotta kill it. I gotta have that warrior mentality. A warrior. That's why they sent us 19 year olds into the battle. Yeah. We can do it. Well, you know, you get a little older and you go, wait a minute, let me think about this. <laughs> 19, they're indestructible. Warrior. That's the mentality we need to have when it comes to sin. We need that warrior mentality. We don't have it. We're, we're not, not going to succeed. So we see this, not just killing sin, It's a lifelong battle. The Christian life is being alive to God in Christ Jesus and living in the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit and putting on these virtues of Christ. That's Christ-like living. That's spirit-filled living. 
And Scripture tells us that if we walk, if we live by the Spirit, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh, of the sin, sin nature. We won't, we won't gratify that if we walk by the Spirit. That's to the believer. That's to every one of you. If you are a believer here today, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh if you walk by the Spirit. You have a decision to make. Offer the members of my body to instruments of wickedness. Offer the members of my body as instruments of righteousness. I either walk by the Spirit or I walk in the flesh. I either act like who I was or who I am in Christ. And if I'm acting like who I am in Christ, I'm killing sin. (laughs) I'm killing it. Lifelong struggle. In closing, I'm just going to read some great words here. You can go on over and follow this. It's 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. I love this. I love this when I have somebody come up to me who hasn't had a drink in 10 years, and they say, I'm an alcoholic. And I go, are you a believer? They say, yes. I go, you're not an alcoholic. You were. Why are you calling yourself that? This is the world tells you to call yourself. Or don't you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? A lot of people think they will. And we know that that righteousness is only found in Christ. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. How do the unrighteous live? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Period. Aren't you glad it doesn't stop there? I am. Here's the good news. And such were, past tense, and such were some of you. Were. You're not. You're not anymore. Got that? Such were some of you. Doesn't mean some of you did all these things. (laughs) All of you did some of these things. Such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified as made holy. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Amen? So who are you? Who are you? In Christ? Don't live like who you were. Like who you are. New man. New woman. Those who are not, who were, but as those who washed, sanctified in Christ, those who were those things, but washed us believers, sanctified, justified in Christ. Here are some recommendations. They're quick. Just go through them quickly. Book Killing Sin Habits by Stuart Scott. Stuart Scott was our men's conference speaker 
a number, a couple, three years, maybe three years, I think that was before COVID, pre-COVID. Um, got some really good books. This is Killing Sin Habits by Stuart Scott. Just a little green book, about that thick. You can read it. Excellent. Highly recommend it. One, renew your mind with the word of God and be thankful. Renew your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What goes in impacts what we do. You starve yourself from the word of God. Don't be surprised when you find yourself up to your eyeballs in sin. Don't go, how did I get here? Why am I wasting away? You haven't eaten. That's a good question. Good answer, right? Paul writes in Romans or Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. What we did this morning, gathering together with worship like this. That's all part of that intake of the word of God. Singing together, worshiping together. You starve yourself. From that. I don't need to go together. with. I have church out on the golf course with myself. I think of verses. Really? Well, maybe I'll go do that next Sunday. No, I won't. Not next Sunday. Maybe in six months. Wait, we're going to get another two feet of snow. No. Gather together. Gather. That's, that's, that's what the church does. Scott writes this. He says, with confession and active repentance of prayerfully turning to God's truth, you can in time fully replace every ingrained thought pattern and response. That's what it is. It's replacing, transforming our mind with the word of God. Transforming, replacing those thoughts. Two, make no provision for the flesh and abstain from fleshly lusts. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires, Romans 13, 14. Scott writes, flee temptation. Make no provision for the flesh. So many, so many times I deal with young men that fall into sin, and I, you know, it's like, what on earth are you doing? You, you, you put this stuff in front of you, and you go, no, 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 I'm not going to look at it. <laughs> right? <laughs> I've had an alcohol problem, so my ministry is going to be going to the bars and witnessing to people. Make no provision for the flesh. I don't care how strong you are. You don't do that. Let somebody else do that. I used to have prison ministries. And I'd be in there with prisoners that were in there for drug charges. And they'd come to Bible study and they'd memorize their verses. And I really believe that they, they were truly converted and loved the Lord. And they would go home, have a send-off by God. We're going to be praying for you. Yep. Never going to see this place again two weeks later. Guess who's in Bible study? What are you doing here? Well, I just wanted to see some friends. You made a provision for the flesh is what you did. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Make no provision flesh flee temptation flee turn around and run three 
develop the personal spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. Prayer, Bible study, obeying what we learn from study, corporate worship, service. Each of these will strengthen your faith and your walk with God, making you far less susceptible to your flesh and the schemes of the evil one. What Brother John read earlier from Ephesians 6. Put on the armor of God. We live in a day when there is much evil around us. I I don't know what it was like 2,000 years ago in the city of Corinth. I kind of have a little bit of an idea that when Paul entered it, it was godless. when When you think of temple prostitutes, what's wrong with that word? Tell, give you a little hint as far as what's going on in society. You think when, when you think Paul has to preach a sermon in First Corinthians saying, "Guys, stop frequenting the prostitutes." I don't know if I've ever preached that. I don't know if Pastor Stephen has ever said that to you guys. Although, in effect, I am right now with some of the most evil things that we deal with in this world. Evil is evil. It's been around since Adam fell. Yeah, it may be manifesting itself in in different ways, but the fight is the same. The fight is the same, put to death. Therefore, what is earthly in you, live like who you are in Christ, not who you are. Were. If you're not in Christ this morning, I invite you to turn from your rebellion. You may think, I'm not a rebellious person. If you are resisting the wonderful grace of God on the cross of Jesus Christ, you're rebelling. If you love your sin more than you love God, you're rebelling. Turn. That's called repentance. Turning from that sin to Christ in faith. You must believe what he says is true. Everything about him, what he's done for me. Turn and trust. Place your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe and you will be saved. You don't have to come to church every week, although I recommend that. We're saved by God's grace through faith alone in Christ alone. You can do that right now in your seat. I'm not one of those who said, okay, every head bowed and every eye closed. No, I don't want any secret Christians. Every head up and every eye open. Are you willing to trust Christ this morning? Maybe you're sitting here and you, you go, my life is, I'm a Christian. I asked Jesus into my heart when I was four years old and I wrote it in my Bible and everything else. My life is a disaster. Know what you need to do? Repent and trust Christ. Repent and believe the gospel. That's what you need to do. Saved or unsaved, repent and believe the gospel. Turn from your sin and trust Christ. And pray. Go to the Lord. He's faithful. He won't turn you away. (laughs) Ask for his forgiveness. He will give it to you bountifully. 
And he will come into your life through the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, and change your life and give you the power to obey these commands. And that is where we find joy. As we don't find joy in sin. Momentary pleasure, not true joy. Let's pray. Father, oh God, how thankful we are for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, there may be some hard hearts here this morning, but you know whose they are. There may be some rebellious hearts. Probably are many tender hearts that really desire to kill sin. So, Lord, I'm going to pray for all of those who desire to kill sin. They will trust you and trust in your word and, and believe in who they are in Christ and us being united with Christ and you've given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of, of you and you've done that by your divine power. That same power that raised Christ from the dead lives with us, lives in us and empowers us to do everything you command us to do. So, Father, I pray this morning for all of us that as we leave here, we will leave with that mindset that I am dead to sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Father, I pray if there's anybody here this morning who has never trusted Christ, never come to that point in their life where they they came to you and said, Jesus, uh, I'm a a sinner in need of a Savior. You save me, please. Forgive me of my sins. I'm going to trust in your death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of my sin. Give me that eternal life that that you talk about. I want to live that new life. Never trusted Christ. Pray that this morning, I pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is powerful. It is sharp. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And then through your spirit, working in the hearts of your people, your word produces change. And that's the change we desire, to be like Christ. So I pray these things in his name. Amen.